This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Sales EQ, Objections and Inked, and I'm here to help you fill up your pipeline, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. I'm going to tell you straight up, I love this podcast episode. I like it because I had an opportunity to spend some time with Brian Knox, who was a fan who read Fanatical Prospecting, started a business, and then sent me a note and told me how much Fanatical Prospecting helped him build his business. He started his business this year. It's been phenomenally successful. And I think what you're going to find is that this conversation is both educational. So we learned that sales and the things that we do in sales matter wherever we are in life. And it's inspirational because it demonstrates that we can all chase and achieve our dreams if we just make that decision to do it and take action. Before we get started, I want you to go right now, go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble, go wherever books are sold and pick up a copy of my brand new book, Virtual Selling. This book has been an international, it's been a global bestseller. Salespeople all over the world are reading it because virtual selling is the ultimate guide to selling and thriving in a virtual world. Go get virtual selling today. Now, here's my conversation with Brian Knox about how he used sales skills to build his new business. Hi, I'm Jeff Blood. Back on the Sales Gravy Podcast, I'm with Brian Knox. People call him B Knox, and he is the owner and the founder of B Knox Photography. And we're going to be talking about sales and entrepreneurship. And I love Brian's story. I like what he's done. And we connected online, and I invited him on the podcast because it's real. Like this is what everybody is thinking about and doing. Like it's one thing to listen to say me and Anthony Anarino talk about sales from you know our standpoint of authors and trainers. It's a completely other perspective to listen to someone like Brian who is in the trenches building a business and doing all the things that we talk about and doing it in unique ways that allow him to grow. So Brian, welcome to the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeb. Real to be here. Awesome. So let's just start off with, first of all, you're in one of my favorite cities. So you're based in Greenville, South Carolina. We were just talking about that in the pre-show. Yeah. I love that city. It's fantastic. Yep. It's a, If you're a business and you could find a place in the country where you could have you know, a place to raise your family and find tons of industry and tons of growth, Greenville, South Carolina, the Greenville Spartanburg area, absolutely a fantastic place to be upstate South Carolina. Awesome. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your story and, and how yeah. you got to the place that you are today. And then we'll talk about how you've been using sales techniques and prospecting techniques to build your business. For sure. Um, so I was in corporate life uh, from the time I graduated college uh, in 2000, uh, all the way up until 2020. And like the last four jobs, that I had in, in the corporate world <clears throat> were sales related. So um, at first it was kind of like inside sales customer service um, for a good period of time. Then between 2013 and 2015, I moved into much more of a pure sales role where really it was, it was cold calling, it was prospecting, it was building a book of business where you, um, our training was basically watching a guy do it for two days and then it was, here's a computer, here's your phone, um, and you're kind of on your own. 
<clears throat> there wasn't a lot of sales training. It was just go out there and build a book of business. So that was when I first found, you know, your material, Jeb, because I, I do like to learn, I like to read. And I was honestly trying to ease the pain of, man, how do I sit here for eight hours a day and drum up business? It was very, it was just, I was adverse to it. And um, that's where I first found your material. Um, after that, I had been, I moved into a sales coaching role with a local uh, plumbing, air, and electric company where I was teaching their technicians some of the basics of sales, uh, sales psychology and going out in the field with them and kind of helping them with their sales process. And then after that, I was in development, which is essentially sales uh, for a nonprofit, Habitat for Humanity of Greenville. And that's where then I really got to put into practice what I had learned in those first few years and then what I was teaching the guys out in the field and put it into practice to try to bring in um, donations for Habitat for Humanity. Um, then I left that job in February to start uh, the photography business full time. And um, that was February of this year. So that's so why here. photography? Like why? I mean, that's you like you, you tell that story and you listen yeah. to it and you go, OK, so so how did photography end up in the middle of this? Like you wake up middle sure. of the night and go, dude, I like taking <laughs> no. pictures. And like you start building a business. Like How does that happen? So I, I got my first digital camera in 2004 or five. Um, my dad was into photography. Uh, he didn't ever really like train me or take me under his wing or anything, but you know, I was at least exposed to um, him having a camera as we walked around in cities and things like that. And then when I got a digital camera, that kind of launched it for me. It was very simple for us as the everyday user to make art um, by going out and clicking a shutter. And so I did it um, for fun. I did it for hobby. I did it. Um, I would do it on the side. Like I did start to pick up some initial gigs, which are, they're typically family or, you know, a young baby or whatever. So I started to pick up some of those jobs and, you know, it made money. It kind of made chugged along making a little money, you know, for 10 years. And I was always fine with that. Um, but then I just, I think I really began to apply um, sales techniques to what was at that point, my side hustle. And then I started to get traction with that. And so it started to grow and started to grow. And then I had this huge just period of like six months of wrestling of like, do I quit and go full time with this or do I just kind of keep it, you know, as a side thing? And I honestly began to feel like it was more of a contribution to society and to the world and whatever for me to take my skill and talent and then give that in the form of photography um, as opposed to, you know, being in the sales trenches at that point. I remember when I first started sales grading, this is 13 years ago. And, yeah. you know, a similar thing, except for we were in the middle of a great recession and I had to make a pivot in my career. Uh, that wasn't my choice. And I decided that at that point in my life, I was either going to be an entrepreneur or not. Like I'd always wanted to run my own business. Yeah. I always wanted to be an owner. And because I was good at selling and great in the corporate world, I made a lot of money mm -hmm. in, you know, in big corporations and it was in the in relatively cushy jobs. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they take really good care of you. And so, I, you know, there was never a lot of incentive until one day I found myself on the street trying to figure out what I was going to do. But I remember the first part of that time you, you started in February. This, this for me lasted about three years sure. where I was constantly terrified that I was going to fail. Like I just, mm -hmm. Like I lived in this, like I would wake up in the middle of the night and be you know, like in a cold sweat. Like, am I going to make it? Am I going to fail? Am I going to crawl back and beg for 
you know, a job? Am I, you know, I'm going to let my wife down and let my, you know, my kid down, you know, all of those things. And I think everybody's entrepreneurial journey is a little bit different. I'm, I'm wondering, like when you first started your business and you made that leap and I can, you know, I can feel that, you know, that, that, that angst inside of you, like, as you're trying to figure out, do I go full time? Do I let go of what I'm used to? You know, clearly you're working for Habitat for Humanity, which is a noble, yeah. a noble job and a noble, you know, a noble profession. And you make that decision. What was it like when you first started? And are you still in that place where you know, you, you, yeah. there's a point in time where you're like, am I going to make it today or not? No, thankfully, um, you know, thankfully it's gone really well this year, but um, I definitely had those same concerns, Jeb, and those same misgivings. I do remember also waking up in the middle of the night and <clears throat> and wrestling with like, well, what if it rains that whole next day and then I can't do the outdoor construction shoot and so I don't make any money that day? And like, your brain just goes to all these irrational places about why you're going to fail. Um, I think, you know, it's probably not a um, like a real common stance or whatever, but I did have someone say like, remember that it's reversible. Remember that if at some point you you um, it's not going well, you can turn around and go back and get a day job or a, a W two job, and that was a little comforting. Um, you also hear people to say burn the boats and just don't give yourself any opportunity to go back, and then you'll you know, of course drive yourself to success. I was kind of in that that first group that was like, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to regret this if I don't try it, and if all else fails, then I can go back and get a regular job. Now the stakes were higher because I had a the habitat job was the best job that I ever had. Those were the best people. Um, it was the best mission. It was my favorite job. Uh, I had a lot of autonomy and leeway. A great boss. And man, the stakes were high because I was like, if I if I fail, I'm going to have to go back to something that just is not as great as this current job. Um, but you know, I don't think it's if you go out and try. I don't. I don't see it as failure if you don't have great success and you do have to turn around. I, I think the credit does go to the person in the arena, the person who goes out and goes for it, tries to fight, tries their hand at their dream. And what I've sensed to Jeb is a ton of respect and support once I did that. Like, it's incredible how people come around you. If you make a statement and say, hey, I'm stepping out on the day job and here I go on my dream, people come around you and they almost believe in you more than yourself. At least that was the case for me. I think that I think there's a lot to be said about how you your belief system, your attitude, attracting people and opportunities into your life. E even in in our own business, for example, this fall, you know, this has been yeah. a an interesting year. We've we've had the best year <laughs> in our company's history this wow. year, and. You know, we're we have 26 people on our team now, and we made a decision to hire this person, just a really talented person. We even have a place for her to go in our organization. We just hired her, and yeah. and you know we're thinking, okay, well this is going to be a big bet, but we brought this really talented person, and I just have a philosophy like when you find talent, grab it, like get it get it into your organization. 
And suddenly our business exploded around this person. Like there's something about Mm -hmm. like doing it. And like you said, being the person that's willing to take the risk and go out there that creates those opportunities. And by the way, I believe that about prospecting as well. I think the salespeople who are prospecting get lucky. Like you make your luck through the work that you're Mm -hmm. doing. And and it's not always like a direct, I I talked to this person, therefore I get, but I talked to this person, they told somebody else, they told somebody else, my phone rings. And sometimes we don't put all those, those dots together, but I do believe that's true. So, so I, a couple of things I want to I want to explore mm-hmm. here. You know, first of all, photography is you know it's a, it's one of those professions, mm-hmm. and I, I put it in don't 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 get yeah. mad at me as, as the, <laughs> don't don't kill the messenger, but I put it in the same sort of uh, place as I want to be an author or yes. I want to I want to <clears throat> own a I want to own a fun bar. Like I've always wanted to own a pizza joint. I want to own a like a yep. like I want to call it brick house pizza. I want it to be wood fired. Like people come into my place to get a cold beer, they buy pizza. Like it's my it's my side hustle dream. And my wife, who was my CFO's, you know, the company company CFO, every time I yeah. say it, she's like, never, ever, ever, ever are you gonna be anywhere near a restaurant ever. Like, so it's just one of those things, like being a, I hear people also want to be a photographer. So people have that dream and then they get into it and they don't realize how insanely competitive it is because everybody wants to be a photographer. Like it's really hard. True. And so a lot of people get into photography and very quickly exit photography because they find it hard to make a living. So in a, in a, in, and and maybe I'm wrong about this, but that's at least the way I see photography in a place where you have that level of competition and and truly anybody who has a digital camera. And even I can take pretty good pictures these days with some of the new, like we run uh, the, the, we just bought a bunch of the new Sony uh, 7,000 that just came out. We're, we're, we're having to track them down. We found one the other day ago and like we bought it right on the spot because it was somebody brought it back. And we run those in our studio, all of our virtual, we have a a sound studio here. So, but even I can look pretty good, right? On a camera, I can take pretty decent pictures. So in a world where everybody can get in, and I think this is important for salespeople as well, you know, they're out there thinking, man, my competitors, they got lower prices, they got this, they're beating me up, blah, 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 blah. You jump into one of the most competitive industries (laughs) in the world, like, and try to make a living in it. Talk to me about that. Tremendous, tremendous topic, Jeb. Um, I think people do buy you. Uh, I really believe that. It comes down to that, uh, yeah, the marketplace is super crowded and there are a hundred other photographers that can come and take your real estate listing photos, your headshot photos, uh, your company's website photos. There are a ton of others that can do that and do it really well. Um, you, You really end up, especially as an entrepreneur, selling yourself, your vision, your passion, your process, um, how you go through homework before the shoot, um, your personality, how you respond to texts and emails. And so in some sense, jumping into a crowded crowded marketplace is daunting because, hey, this guy can get their need met a hundred other ways. But in another way, it really lets you express uh, yourself fully and be who you are knowing that by being a little different, by being unique in some way that's unique to you, you can separate yourself from the competition. And so I think that once I tell, um, I will talk with other photographers and I say that once you're past about a six on a scale of one to 10 in terms of talent, once you're past about a six, six and a half, seven, it all, it all becomes about relationship. It all becomes about sales, um, who you can meet with that likes you, connects with you, and likes your way of operating because they're not going to go 
well, let me go and find the, the level eight photographer. I have to get that level eight photographer. They want to work with you because they like you. You know, I still believe you should grow excellent at your craft and we, we should move towards eight and nine and 10. But at a certain point, the, the sales hunt is about talking to people who just want to do business with you. And you, yeah, you got, you have to be decent at your craft and be able to perform under pressure. Um, but that's how it went for me. Like I just started to sell myself. I would just share my life and my photos on social media. And that started to attract um, what I've been able to build into a pipeline. Well, isn't it just true that, that what you just said, the more people you talk with, the more pictures you take, the more clients you have, the more opportunities that come in. I mean, it's all about talking with people and it's all human. So I, I love what you said. Like it's, it's the, like, especially it's just to, you know, break down the real estate example. If you're yeah. working with a couple of brokers and they're listing houses, what they yeah. really want is they want to trust that you're going to, you're going to pick up the phone when they call, you're going to go get the job done. You're going to go get the photos that they want because you've taken time to understand them. And then you're going to get it up and running for them fast on Zillow or wherever yes. else they're putting these photos so that they don't have to think about it. So they can go focus on real estate. I mean, they could probably go take the pictures totally. themselves, right? But they want to yes. go, they want to go knock on another door and get another listing. They don't want to deal with this. So it's all about, it's all about trust that they can they can let you loose and you're going to get the job done and when you do that they go tell somebody else how good you are yeah i think you're spot on with this example too in that jeb i'm not with real estate photos especially i'm not selling just a well-exposed bedroom photograph i'm selling that real estate agent their time back and i do i was able to kind of understand the value of sales i started to see it in my own journey my own life and that's, I mean, that is what real, that's what those realtors are doing. They're selling their butt off every day. If they can have another meeting, another coffee, get another contract, that's what's paying their bills. Like for them, shooting photos is a very low value activity, I would say. And so that's what I would, I would put that right in my copy that I would send to real estate agents. I'd put that right in my copy. Like I'm not saying my photos are tremendously better than anyone else's, but you can trust me and rely on me to operate efficiently so that you can move on to a higher leverage activity, um, like getting the next lead into your pipeline. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I'm, I so dig that because I think that's the, you know, that's the difference between the ideal of I want to be, a, you know, a photographer or, or I'm, you know, I'm an author, yeah. so I want to be an author. Yeah. And or, you know, I want to um, I want to own a bar, a pizza place. Like what it is, is about you You, you got to go solve problems and problem solvers are the champions of the world. The ideal, yes. per, you know, the, the, the photographer, you know, that wants to get them because they love taking pictures. So I take better pictures. They're pitching pictures. You're pitching yes. what your pictures solve. It's not the end. Of, it's not the picture. It's the service. Like it's how, what I'm doing for you. It's peace of mind. And clearly that shifts. Like, for example, if you're taking pictures of a wedding or, you know, of someone's child and their family pictures, I mean, there's a lot of emotion that's involved in that as well. So it's what I found with, with those type of relationships, it's the photographer that sits down and creates the entire experience. So it's not right. just, it's not just we're snapping photos, but they're sitting down and talking with us and asking us, what do you want? And what's, what, you know, what's, what's important to you? What do you want to capture? What are you looking for? What are, you know, what are your family values? And, and by, and listening to us and making us feel like we're part of the process. And, and then, yes. and, and then the, you know, taking the pictures part of the process and then, and then the, you know, the artwork on the back end to make them look the way that you want them to look. 
but still the same thing. It's not about the in, the picture. It's about the emotion that we feel while we're working with that individual person. And it's that emotion that causes us to tell other people. So your buyer's emotional experience while they're working with you is a more consistent predictor of outcome than any other variable. You said this, people buy <laughs> totally. you, right? That's, totally. I mean, that's it. But, but, but it all begins with, you got to go talk with people. And I think that's yes. probably the biggest issue that I find with entrepreneurs. And I've said this I, all the time. Like I said this to authors, like authors, I want to be an author and write books. I go, great, great. Here's the deal. Writing a book is hard. I know that because yeah. I'm writing one right now. Yesterday afternoon, yeah. I was a miserable day. Like it was, it was raining. I was sitting next to a fireplace. Yeah. I was in a leather chair thinking about all the, like, this is all the, you know, the, the ideal, but I was like in the middle of this book and I spent 12 hours in the middle of it. And it sucked because I'm like, God, there are a million things I'd rather do than, than sit here and try to pound out of my brain. And you do all that hard work and it's almost impossible to get people to buy a book. And by the way, if you want to sell a book, you got to get on the road. Like you make money mm -hmm. on the road. Like you want to sell an album. Yeah. If you want to play, you want to play guitar, you make money, yeah. go do concerts. Which means you're never home. So people don't get that. They don't understand that there's a hustle involved in getting this done. And I think entrepreneurs oh. have the same problem. Like they say, they're like, it's like field of dreams. They want to be Kevin Costner. Like I'm going to build it and they're going to come. And it doesn't work that way. As an entrepreneur, you got to be fanatical about prospecting. You got to be yes. a nut job about building your business. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs forget about the sell side as they're building this ideal vision of what their business is going to mm. be. And in the meantime, you know, they don't make any money and they're not, you know, that they're, you know, they're building their blog and putting their business cards and doing all this other stuff. And, you know, and three weeks later, they're back in their back, you know, hunting yes. for a job because they can't make money. So talk to us a little bit about the, the, what entrepreneurs need to know about prospecting and pipeline building. And it sounds like, you know, you've bought into an yep. omni-channel approach. So you're using everything yes. that you can to get people to come to you both inbound and outbound. Talk to us about that. And, yeah. you know, you came from a sales background, but did you struggle with some of this as you were building your business in terms of, you know, of turning on that hustle? And there's one more thing, Brian, I want you to yeah. talk about is what do you do on those days where you get really full? Like you, you got a lot of business coming in and in your world, like that's going to last for a while. And then you got to go hustle again. How do you remain consistent in your business yeah. development practices while you're running the rest of your business? Another big issue that impacts entrepreneurs. Yeah. So to the very first part, you need to have passion. I think that's a, that is a prerequisite. You got to have it. You should have it for whatever you're doing making jewelry, taking photos, um, whatever it is, you need to have that passion. But there's, uh, there's that meme out there where the guy's like, he's pointing to his friend and like, he's like, look, everybody, he's following his passion, you know, see, no one cares. It, it's, it's unfortunate, but in, in some sense, people don't really care that you just went and followed your passion. You then, you have to channel that into um, what you can do for them, you have to channel that into your um, your sales and prospecting techniques, like your drive to go out there and make it. So I think you should have that passion and you should share it, but that on its own, <clears throat> it's not gonna be enough, Deb. You do have to talk to people. I think a great practical shortcut right here is to show your work. Um, that is how I started, Jeb. I would go shoot the photos, I would uh, post, or I would shoot, I would edit them, I would post them to Facebook. So I was side hustling, I go shoot, edit, post to Facebook, shoot, edit, post to Facebook. Then when I, and I started to get traction. Hey, can you come out and shoot the swim meet? Hey, can you come out and shoot me with my dog? Hey, our, 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 our uh, company needs new website photos. So it started to build a little bit organically. 
Um, but I was showing my work. I wasn't waiting to be discovered. Um, this is one of those big soapbox topics that will get me cranked up like an old man, is that you're not going to get discovered. No one's going to discover you. You have to show your work. And I think people will be better served by consistently putting their stuff out there instead of sitting back and going, I'm excellent. You know, I'm great. I'm a killer photographer. And why aren't companies finding me? You know, they're not going to find me. Um, <clears throat> and so I started to you realize that if I wanted to shoot with certain brands or shoot in certain industries, that I had to reach out to them. And um, I had some success with a, I've had success throughout the year. I had one recently with a, a tactical company out of California. And um, once they agreed to the little package that I had built for them, and they're like, yeah, Brian, go ahead with the shoot. Um, some of my close supportive friends were like, that's amazing. You know, you got that customer, you got to work with them and like, you're doing great things or whatever. And I, I really appreciate that. But I wanted to say, I got to shoot with that company because I sent them a cold email. I sent them an email with a buying option on the menu that said, this is what I can do for you to advance your brand and your visibility on social media. And they bit and they took it. Like they didn't find me. You know, two months ago, they didn't know about Brian Knox. They would have never found me. So I had to go out. And so I do encourage people, you got to go chase sometimes. You have to pursue. And you should pursue the ones that you want to work with because they will say yes eventually. Um, balancing sales and running the business. Man, that's a big one. I actually had it as a question for you, Jeb, which is that um, it, it's easy to start to reach overwhelm when you're, the, when you're the sole proprietor and you're doing the billing and the marketing and the shooting and, and all that stuff. Um, so I've stayed pretty busy. I've stayed pretty close to burnout much of this year, I can say. Um, but I'm also very excited by the possibility of selling and I very much believe in it. And so um, I'll kind of wrestle with that. Like, well, I'm, I have a lot of business and this is great, but at the same time, I want to be selling more. And I've just kind of wondered and wanted to maybe throw back, like how do I throttle um, between, you know, driving or pursuing the business that I want and those next big accounts, um, but also delivering on the day to day. I think part of the answer lies in, curating the type of business that you take in. Like Jess, I said, or Deb, I said yes to every job <laughs> yep. when I first started. And, you know, it's just not the best technique. You need to when you start because you're hungry. But I realized that every yes that I'm telling a company is also saying no to another opportunity. Yeah, I, well, I think that it, when, you know, I started Sales Gravy and, and those, this wasn't like, you know, this lasted for years. I took anything because I got to yes. build. And, yes. you know, some of those, some of those yeses came back to haunt me because, you know, they were taking me away from other things. Some of them turned out to be the greatest yeses I ever, you know, ever said yes to. Yeah. I mean, they, they changed the organization. I don't think as an entrepreneur, you have much of a choice. I mean, it's really nice to idealistically say, well, all customers aren't good customers, but yes. when you're trying to, you know, pay the light bill, any customer is a good customer. I think what happens over time is that there's a curve. Like as you grow and get more mature, you, you start saying, this is what I want. And it's almost like in your world, you're like an airplane, right? As the seats fill mm -hmm. up on the airplane, then you can raise your prices. You can be more picky with what you want. And by the way, it's no different for a salesperson. If you've got a full pipeline, you can be really picky about the deals that you're going to work on so that you spend your time on the most lucrative deals that have the highest probability of closing. If you've got yeah. an empty pipeline, look, you're going to take anybody that calls or says yes to you. You're going to be, you're going to show up, you're going to drive across town eight hours, right? In order to go see a, a, a company for 20 minutes that may or may not do business with you ever. 
But when you're full, you don't have to do that. So part of being an entrepreneur, like in your world, is fill up the airplane. Then it gets a lot easier. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, when you get started saying yes. And that's part of that. Just, you know, you start teaching yourself through the mistakes that you made what not to do. And by the way, from the victories that you achieved, you start learning what what good looks like. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I think the hardest thing, though, is, you know, as you start getting full, especially when you're a sole you know, proprietor, you know, a sole entrepreneur, you're doing everything is you get a big job and then you quit prospecting for a couple of weeks. So we talk about the 30 yes. day role in fanatical prospecting. So the prospecting you do in any given 30 day period has a tendency to pay off over the next 90 days. And I'm sure that you found that in your own business, like the work that you're doing now to, to connect with people, you're some, somewhere in the next 90 days, you start getting a payback from that. Well, you take a week off or two weeks off or three weeks off or four yeah. weeks off, then suddenly you're on the desperation roller coaster. I mean, this is, and this is the problem for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? They live in the feast or famine amusement park. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. Salespeople do the same thing. And it's a really awful way to live because there's so much anxiety, so much stress, so much pressure. And when you feel anxiety, stress, and pressure, what do you do? You make really bad decisions. You start saying yes to everything again. And you don't want to do that. So the key thing for me with entrepreneurs is you've got to schedule time every single day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day for business development, every day. Clearly, there's going to be, you know, some 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 days where you can't always do that. Let's just say that you get pulled into y'all got a big BMW plant up there, right? So BMW hires you and they bring you in and you're on a multi-day yep. shoot with them, you know, covering everything. Yep. There's going to be days when, you know, you may your business development may be five minutes. There's other days when you got a full day, like yep. you may you may spend the whole day on business development. My my, you know, I guess advice is never let a day go by that you don't do something. If you if you always yeah. do something around business development, you will never go hungry. But the problem with prospecting yeah. is, and the way that I, I describe it is long stretches of pain, grind, and suck interrupted by a few brief moments of elation, <laughs> right? It's like totally. the, I'm on a diet right now and I've lost uh, 12 pounds and I'm like getting, I'm getting to the fatigue level of this stupid yeah. diet because I'm hungry. And like, it, yeah. this is the time when it matters. Like, if, if, you know, if I, if I let a day go by, or I, you know, I have, I take a day off. It's really easy to take the next day off because it sucks. Yep. And, and you can't allow yourself to do that as an entrepreneur. If you want to remain consistent mm-hmm. in your business and continue to make great decisions. That also, mm-hmm. you, you said something about passion. And I think that this is something we hear all the time. And I, I, I love the way that you explained this. The way I look at passion is look, you got a passion. It's awesome to be able to follow your passion. Awesome. It is way better to bring your passion with you wherever you go and with whatever you're doing, because you need that passion that you have to help you do the hard things when you need to do the hard things. And, you know, working on a a project, serving your client, taking care of them, that's the fun stuff. You know, calling a stranger, cold calling, reaching out, going to a networking events, following up on things. That's the hard stuff. And I just don't know how you survive as an entrepreneur if you're not willing to do the hard stuff. Otherwise, you have as a hobby rather than, you know, rather than a business that you can grow. But I think that I think there's one thing I could say to you. And and this is, you know, my advice is you're going to get to some point since you're really successful where you have to start making some decisions about what type of business you're going to be. And that is, are you going to continue to be a, a sole proprietor business where you're doing all the work? Or are you going to scale? And mm-hmm. if you scale, that means you got to bring on other photographers. Mm-hmm. 
You, mm-hmm. you, you know, because you're a good salesperson, you can, you can cover sales for a while, mm-hmm. but you can't cover the work, right? So yep. if you can go out and bring more business in and you bring another photographer in and you pay that photographer, you know, a salary or what have you, it's sort of like me with trainers, like the more trainers I bring in, the more we can scale up because I can't do all the training. And for a long time, I was doing all the training. It was killing me. Like I, I got to a point where there's a couple of years I don't even remember, Brian, because I, I didn't sleep. Sure. You know, so so there's this point in time when you got to make that decision. What am I going to do? The good news is you're a good salesperson. So it probably made more sense for you to bring in another photographer. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, clearly you got to have, you know, non-competes. If you ever want to call me up, I'll help you with this, right? Non-competes. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to have, you know, you got to have a contract with them and you got to lock them in. And they can't take your clients and compete against you and do those things. But on the flip side of that, the bargain is you give them steady work. They don't have to go prospect because there's a lot of people out there that that have the, you know, this, their mm-hmm. ideal is to be a photographer, but they don't want to go do the hustle that you're willing to do. And because you're willing to go do the hustle, you're doing, you can do things that they can't do. You have the opportunity to build a much bigger business that you can grow into. uh, And, you know, and then they can do for you what you're trying to do for the people that you serve is give them back some, they give you back some time. Totally. Yeah, no, a great question that I've been wrestling with Jeb, uh, especially in this first year is like, um, because I do enjoy shooting so much and, and doing the homework and going delivering the product and stuff. I love that so much, but you're right. You're really in the business. Like when you were training and it can wear on you and you have really long days and it starts to um, just drag you down a little bit because we have limited bandwidth that we can give out to others. So, um, you know, I don't know exactly what that looks like for me uh, yet. I'm still kind of young in the business um, and just want to figure out how to design my life uh, so that I make sure I don't create a job, you know? I don't want to create a soul-sucking job or um, a tremendous amount of stress, um, but I do also have to start to relieve um, that active income versus passive income in some way. It's very, very active income right now, and I have to be there. I have to have the camera. I have to be on site. Um, but to your point, I am definitely looking at ways to try to um, change that percentage a little bit. Well, the good news is that you know how to sell. I love this conversation because it's so uplifting and so inspiring. You know, um, yeah. B knocks like working in a good job and got this side hustle, decides to to go full time, uses sales skills to ramp up the business in the middle of a really hard year to ramp up a business. Like, I mean, you like if you could have picked the worst year to start a company, like I imagined it in yeah. February when you started the company in March when we shut the country down, like suddenly you were like, <laughs> just the, I sign up for this thing at the right time. But I think yeah. that, you know, I think that your story, like if people are listening to this, what you explained is like, this isn't that, this isn't that complicated. Find something yeah. that you like to do that you're good at. Yeah. I did the same thing. Like I, when mm-hmm. I, when I got out, when I lost my job and had to go do something, like the only thing I know how to do is sell. So I focused yeah. on that. So find something that you like to do that you're good at. And then understand that just because you're good at it, just because you're talented at it, that's not enough. Like, you yeah. know, once you get, like you said, once you get past the six or seven on the talent scale, the rest of it's hustle. The rest of it's your yes. ability to make connections and talk with people and and build relationships and build your business. And then at some point, like if you get really good at that, if you can sell, then you can accomplish anything. And entrepreneurship is is, you know, is selling at it, 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 its heart and soul. So mm-hmm. so killer story. Um, but if, if you got one last piece of advice for our listeners, whether they're salespeople or entrepreneurs. Yeah. From what you've learned over the years, what would you leave us with? Yeah, 
Jim, I got to reference Jim Rohn right here, my friend. Um, Jim Rohn, uh, just a business philosopher from, you know, the, like a decade or two ago, uh, had a simple sales course. The simple sales course was talked to lots of people every day. And I hear a lot from entrepreneurs. I don't like to self-promote. I don't want to sell myself. I don't know how to do it, et cetera. You can get around a lot of that by talking to lots of people every day. It might take the form of text, direct messages, phone calls, emails, et cetera. It doesn't matter what form it takes, but if you, you, could, you should be passionate about your work, be good at it. And if you're willing to go out and talk to lots of people every day, as Jim Rohn says, even if you said, hey, you don't want my service, do you? Eventually, you're going to have someone who says, maybe I do. Tell me about it. And I'm telling you that when you, when you infuse it with passion and you're decent at it, people will want your service or they will want your product. So get out there and talk to lots of people. Love it. More people you talk with, right? The more you're going to sell. Yep. B Knox, yep. B Knox of B Knox Photography. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> me on the Sales Gary Podcast. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm doing lots of podcasts right now because we're in the middle of our main production season. <laughs> and I got to tell you, of all the podcasts I've done this week, this is Ooh. my absolute favorite. It is so yes. refreshing to have a yeah. conversation with someone who is really in the trenches, really doing it. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this and join us for the next episode. I hope that was as inspirational for you as it was for me. Now, make sure that you go and pick up a copy of my brand new book, Virtual Selling. This book will give you everything that you need to crush it in a virtual world. And if you're looking to up your skills even further, go to salesgravy.com and click on the e-learning tab at the top of the page and go check out Sales Gravy University. We have hundreds of courses there, both live and in e-learning for you or your entire team, Sales Gravy University. I'll see you next time.